G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. Because look, when God called Abraham and his descendants through Isaac and Jacob, he didn't initially give them food restrictions. The food restrictions came quite a long time after that. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. One of the best things about being alive is eating. In fact, some people love food so much they're killing themselves by overindulging. But in balance, eating is not only essential for life, but it's a central focus of celebrations, birthdays, anniversaries. It's also the main feature in many feasts and festivals mandated by God. But there are some foods God forbade his people from eating. Do the kosher rules regarding food apply to the Gentile Christians or have the kosher laws become null and void? That is a very good question and it is an ongoing debate and it's been an issue in the church right since from the very first days. If you read Acts when the Gentiles started to come to faith, it was cause of great debate. We Mm. will get to that in coming programs. So it is a big issue and the truth is God in his wisdom actually did tell his people, the Jewish people, there were certain foods that they were not allowed to eat. Foods like pork, shellfish, for example, they were absolutely forbidden. And then, of course, throughout Christian history, you know, a lot of times we can criticize um, the Jewish people for observing and maintaining their dietary laws, saying, oh, you're just under the, you're under the law, you're under the Mm. law. But then there are certain Christian denominations that have also enforced rules about not eating meat on Fridays. Mm. Absolutely forbidden in some denominations. And that's because Jesus was traditionally crucified on a Friday. And not only that, but when Jewish people were forced to convert in the Middle Ages, Dark Ages we call it, they were often forced to eat pork as proof of their conversion. So food... And which foods are acceptable and which are not, on both sides of the argument, has Mm. been a pretty hot topic throughout history. And obviously that uh, raises the question for this program and for uh, ensuing programs too. Can we eat all foods or are there still prohibitions? As a general rule, people would say, oh, no, no, there's no prohibitions at all on what we can eat. Um, Actually, that's not not true. (gasps) Everybody's gasping. I know they're gasping (laughs) at the moment. Look, the the dietary laws are known in Hebrew as kashrut, and they deal with the foods that Jews are permitted to eat and also how those foods have to be prepared according to Jewish law. Because, look, when God called Abraham and his descendants through Isaac and Jacob, he didn't initially give them food restrictions. The food restrictions came quite a long time after that. Yeah, we read about it for the first time in Exodus. In fact, Exodus 23 Verse 19 says, You shall bring the choice first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. You are not to boil a young goat in the milk of its mother. Now, of course, that's uh, repeated in Exodus 34 as well. So that's uh, you know, probably the first time that we see some prohibition as to how they could prepare And food. it's kind of like out of the blue. 
Mm. It's like it's just thrown in there. You kind of go, what's that got to do yeah. with bringing you the first fruits? It's, yeah. it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. And then we in Deuteronomy 14, we also read in verse 21, you shall not eat anything which dies of itself. You may give it to the stranger who is in your town so that he may eat it, or you may sell it to a stranger for you're a holy people to the Lord, your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. The dietary laws were expounded in greater detail once you get to Leviticus, how animals were to be slaughtered, how the blood was to be drained and never consumed, what parts were forbidden, what parts were acceptable. There are prohibitions regarding which animals and birds and sea life and and even insects, which ones were okay, Mm. which ones weren't. It's really quite complicated. Of the beasts of the earth, that's um, animals that have cloven hoofs that chew the cud, they're okay. But animals that don't have those qualities are forbidden. Mm. So I guess for an example, obviously sheep, goat, cattle and deer are all kosher. Absolutely. They are all kosher. And then there are water creatures. Okay, Any water animal that has fins and scales, they're kosher. But shellfish like uh, lobsters, oysters, prawns, clams, crabs, that sort of thing, they are not kosher. Mm, okay, so ones that are permitted then would include fish like tuna, carp, salmon, barramundi, they're all okay? Absolutely. If it's got fins mm-hmm. and it's got scales, you're good to go. Great. I love a bit of barramundi. So yeah, I, it's one of my favourite <laughs> fish, got to say. Uh, then, of course, bird life. This actually becomes a little bit more complicated. And the Torah lists which birds are forbidden, but it it doesn't really explain why. Mm, Okay. Well, I'm assuming, obviously, that chicken would be okay. Things like ducks, geese, uh, turkeys, they're all all right? They're absolutely fine. But there's a whole lot that are not. And so I think one of the biggest frustrations that most people have is we go, why are some acceptable? Mm. And why are some not acceptable? Why the disparity? Yeah. You know, why can't you eat pork? Why can't you have bacon? It tastes so good. Mm. There are reasons, actually. Yeah. Well, you mentioned insects before, too. Which insects are <laughs> allowed and which ones aren't? Not that I'm wanting to eat any. You're not into grasshoppers? <laughs> no. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy when you, you read scripture and go, why is it that some insects were actually, why would God say that an insect is okay? Well, over the years, it's become very much a cloudy issue with regarding to what mm. insects you can eat and what insects you can't. Can I just say, though, if you think about it, you've got some tribal communities around the world, like our own indigenous community, mm. where eating insects is actually part and parcel of their normal yeah. historical traditional diet. And so, yeah, some of them are apparently are very, very nutritious. And I'm just going to have to take their word for it because <laughs> I don't want to find out. Fair enough. But because things have become so murky, the rabbis now have made a law that forbids all of them today. Mm. No insects allowed on the diet today. Oh, very good. But any product that can be produced from a forbidden creature, you know, all these forbidden creatures that we just listed, any product that comes from them is also forbidden. Okay, we know that pork is forbidden, but gelatin that is used in a lot of foods, that's uh, made from the peptides and proteins produced by partial hydrolysis of collagen that's extracted from the skin, bones and connective tissue of animals. Now, it's not just pigs that it comes from, but from cattle, chicken, fish, as well as pigs. The cattle, chicken and fish gelatins are all okay, but gelatin that comes from a pig is absolutely forbidden. Mm, So the animal itself and any products made from the animal, they're forbidden. Mm. And another kosher law is the separation of meat and dairy, which comes uh, from the verses that you read at the beginning about not boiling a young goat in its mother's milk. Now. From this particular command comes a 
whole raft of kosher laws mm. that you're not allowed to mix meat and dairy at all. Can I just say that's not what the verse says? The verse says, don't boil or cook a young goat in its mother's milk. That's all it says. But from that, for the most observant families, they will actually have two full complete kitchens in their homes. One is for preparing dairy meals. The other is for preparing meat meals. Mm -hmm. And they will even have complete sets of of cutlery and plates and drinking vessels and everything. Two of everything. So if they're just wanting to have, you know, fettuccine verde or something it's just four cheeses and and the pasta that's prepared in Mm. the the dairy kitchen and if you want a piece of steak that's in the other kitchen it's exactly the same in the hotels in israel as well where we go they're usually all kosher and the dairy meal of the day is the breakfast and there's going to be no meat no sausages and there's going to be no bacon you don't miss it because there's so much food and then the evening meal is the meat meal of the day No milk for your coffee afterwards and no cream on your dessert. And when you have lunch, you will either choose one or the other depending on where you're getting your lunch from. Right. That's amazing. It's really interesting. So it can be a bit confusing how these laws develop, especially when you read about Abraham's encounter with his visitors in Genesis. Now, of course, this is actually God visiting Abraham with two angels. And we read about this in Genesis 18, verse 1. It says, The Lord, Jehovah, visited Abraham. And it says, Abraham asked them to rest under a tree while he prepared their meal. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant and he hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk and the calf, which he'd prepared and set it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. Now, when you just read that, it says that he took curds and milk and the calf that he'd prepared. He gave it to them to eat. So Abraham gives God a non-kosher meal. Mm. So you kind of go, how then can the kosher laws today say you cannot mix meat and dairy? Well, the rabbis today will say, well, it wasn't really at the same time. There was a period of hours between serving the dairy and then serving the calf. The scripture doesn't say that. That's Jewish tradition. That's how that's Mm. been explained away. It doesn't say that. It says that it was brought out altogether. Mm. So therefore, you can see how... In a bid to obey God's command not to boil a young kid in its mother's milk, instead of just literally saying, okay, we're not going to cook a young kid in its mother's milk Mm. and we'll be safe. No, we've put these fences around the original command and we've added more and more and more fences just to make sure we don't break the original command. Well, what does it all mean for us? Next time, we're going to look at the reason for some of the prohibitions on certain foods on Foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 